The podcast you're about to listen to may contain random lines from musical theater, terrible attempts at regional accents, and a sincere discussion about mental health. You have been warned. Are you ready to start singing with your feet? Formidable! Allez, c'est parti! Juste dans la joie Une joie profonde Nos cœurs, elle inonde Cette joie, elle vient du ciel Non, nous ne sommes pas fous Welcome to Sing With Your Feet The podcast in which we sit down in the pilot seat of our lives And start figuring out what all the lights and the buttons and the beeping is for The podcast in which we suspend disbelief for just a minute and imagine that where we are and the circumstances in which we find ourselves are not just the result of a bunch of ill-laid plans and poorly made decisions, but rather a reality to which we have the power to consent. The podcast in which we navigate a three-dimensional Venn diagram as we realize that our ideal life is not a destination, but a flight path. My name is Lily Fields, and I'm going to be your fairy godmother for the next half hour or so. Let me be the first to congratulate you, Cinderella. You made it. You survived our 19-episode series about the ideal life themes. You survived rants and tangents and endless iterations of the golden rule. You managed to do it without ever meaningfully waking up the philosopher princess. I raise my glass to you, Cinderella. Na na na, Littlefields. Ah, that's you. Still out there objecting to everything I have to say like the adorable Southern Belle that you are. But I do wish that you would let me enjoy my glass of bubbly. Littlefield, I have listened. I have taken notes. I have started asking myself those little questions every day. But I still don't see how all of this fits together. And I still don't see how this has done anything to help me learn to sing with my feet. Oh goodness, Cinderella, you are so cute. Well, today is the day we're gonna put it all together. Today, I hope that by the end of the episode, you will see how joy, consent, talent, time, treasure, and all of the 19 ideal life themes work together. I am betting every ounce of my fairy dust that I can be clear enough this week so that next week, we can start a new four-episode series about curiosity. And we need these pieces to be in place so that we can start digging into those four little questions you talked about. Those questions that we ask ourselves every day to help us make... I'm about to say my favorite word. I better not wake up the philosopher princess. My favorite word? Progress. Yes, we are going to start making progress by asking questions. And starting next week, we are going to look at every aspect of those questions to help us make progress. So I brought my magic wand today, Cinderella, because today's the day that it's all gonna come together. Little fairy dust, take my hand. Are you ready? Let's go.
For the last 33 episodes, I have talked to you about how important joy is. I have talked about how joy is the fairy dust that makes living worthwhile. I have told you that the theme song to this podcast is entitled La Joie, which is French for joy. And yet, I don't think that I've even once defined joy. According to the dictionary, joy is a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. If this sounds familiar, that's because it reminds us of episode 30, which was about contentment, which, according to the dictionary definition, is a state of well-being or happiness. As you may remember in that episode, I went on to adulterate my definition of contentment, turning it into a descriptor for a state of satisfaction with our lives, with what we own specifically. I would add to that definition that it is also a state of satisfaction with our situation or the circumstances of our life. Because time was short, I didn't get too deep into the weeds about many of my theories of contentment, but I'm going to do that right now. Are you ready? This will lead back to joy, I promise. But this is important because the two are related. I'm going to give you three words that I want you to write down and ponder for the rest of the day. Maybe they'll even help you answer one of your four questions. The one that is what I need to think about. So here are those three words. Number one, contest. Number two, consent. Number three, contentment. I'm gonna say them again. Number one, contest. Number two, consent. Number three, contentment. The order matters. Number one, contest. To contest is to raise an argument against something or someone, like when you contest a will or you contest a charge on your bank statement. As human beings, we like to contest a lot of things. And many of us, um, me for example, like to contest the circumstances of our life, many of which we cannot control. To contest something that we cannot control is, of course, futile. I mean, I contest the fact that I am developing lines around my mouth that make me resemble my grandmother Gigi. I don't know who I would be arguing against, though, because my problem isn't with someone or something that can change their mind. My problem is with time itself. It's like being in the middle of July and complaining that it's hot, notwithstanding that all concerns about climate change are valid in my book. It's hot in July, and who am I going to go complain to about this? Who could actually do something about it? My problem is with the very forces of nature. I'm not saying that we should not contest injustice when it is in our power to do something about it or when there is an authority to whom we can contest. But I'm saying that as human beings, we get into the habit of contesting realities that are bigger than we are and that we cannot sway. This habit of constantly contesting and complaining is bad for us. Contesting everything puts us in the driver's seat of a vehicle that's going nowhere. Contesting and complaining build upon each other, and we end up dissatisfied, always seeking out flaws, injustice, and errors in our lives. And not surprisingly, if we let this habit get out of control, we start finding the flaws and errors in other people too. Again, I'm not saying that there aren't situations that need to be faced and legitimate disputes that can be taken to the appropriate people or authorities. But I am saying that we need to be watchful about how much we contest and complain. 
I want you to take a second and imagine something with me. You are invited into a gorgeous airplane. A little airplane, perhaps, but one that is just so luxurious and beautiful. And you are told that you can take the plane out for a spin if you'd like. How exciting, you think to yourself. So you settle into the cockpit. There are dozens of lights on the dashboard. Some of them blink, some of them flash. There are a few strange beeps, and from time to time, a warning alarm sounds. There are exposed wires everywhere, plugged into sockets, attached to gauges. When we contest the circumstances of our lives that we can't control, it's as if we, the untrained pilots that we are, are sitting in the cockpit of this gorgeous airplane, annoyed by the sounds and lights and the beeps and the alarms and the wires of the sockets, and that we're mad because the plane isn't off the ground yet. We're annoyed because we're out of our element, because we don't know how to use the tools that are here in front of us. I'll come back to that example in a second, but I want to move on to the second word that I told you to write down. It's the word consent. Oh, it's a popular word nowadays. I mean, I just got a new computer for my birthday, and I cannot tell you how many times in the setup process for many of the apps that I have to use that I had to click on a little box that said, I consent. The consent I'm talking about is not the checkbox kind of consent that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just get on with this. I'm going to agree so that I can get down to business. The consent I'm talking about is enthusiastic and active. It's not passive in any way, shape, or form, and it accepts whatever I might have been contesting, disputing, or complaining about that is not in my control. To take the metaphor of the cockpit again, it's sitting back and recognizing that all these buttons and warning lights and alarms exist for a reason, which, theoretically, is to get the plane into the air. However, because I am ignorant of the way they all work together, I must be willing to admit that I, as it stands today, am incapable of getting the plane off the ground. I think that you and I, unless you have your pilot's license, Cinderella, we would both enthusiastically agree that we are incapable of getting that plane off the ground. We would agree that we have everything physically needed to get it off the ground, but we're missing the knowledge. Admitting that we don't see the whole picture is the essence of the kind of consent that I'm talking about. It's a deep consent, not the checkbox kind. It's consent that says, I don't know what I'm doing here, or how I got here, or why I'm in the circumstances that I am, but I'm here, and I want to learn how to fly. When I talk about consent, I mean an active acceptance of who we are and where we are. It's a decision to accept our current circumstances at a starting point for our destiny. Once we've consented, we stop contesting. It's part of the deal. Giving our consent to our lives means that we abandon our right to contest our circumstances. When I consent, I stop being annoyed with the little blinking light on the cockpit dashboard or the beeping intercom or the flashing warning alarms. When I consent, I become curious as to what those are for and how they are going to get me off the ground and into the air. The third word I had you write down is the word contentment. Contentment is the result of giving our active, enthusiastic consent. Contentment, as we said, is a deep-rooted feeling of satisfaction. Contentment is the process of learning to appreciate what we have in front of us, getting to know what each of those buttons on the dashboard does. These three elements 
our natural state of contesting, which we agree to abandon by giving our consent to our lives as they are now, becomes one of contentment as we seek to understand our destiny. And this Cinderella is the essence of joy. Joy is the purest form of happiness, the kind that oozes out in little doses as we discover who we are, what we love, and what we're good at, and how our very existence makes this world a better place. I've said this since day one, Cinderella. You exist for a reason. You are who you are with all the talents and geekery that you have. And when you put all the things to work in a considered, thoughtful way, your experience of your life will change. You will be living your ideal life. Part one, the three elements of destiny. Since April, we have been looking at the 19 individual circles that comprise the gorgeous Venn diagram of our ideal lives. We've been looking at ways that the different circles overlap and how this overlap is where we derive most of our motivation and even more importantly, where we find the most joy. We'll come back to those in part three of today's episode, but right now I want us to take a step back from this Venn diagram for a second and take a look at some of the factors that make up those flashing lights on the cockpit dashboard. First of all, there are the three resources that your life possesses. We've talked about these at length before, but just to be thorough, those three resources are your time, your talent, and your treasure. These three resources are unique to you. When it comes to time, we all have the same number of hours in a day, yes, but the number of days that we each have will vary. How we use our time, how we fill our hours and our days, and how we also strategically choose to leave our hours empty for rest are decisions we alone can make. Time is one of the controls in our cockpit. We can raise and lower the throttle when it comes to how we use our time. Keep in mind, you alone control that precious resource of which you can get no more once it's gone. How you use it depends on decisions you make. If you start getting a warning light about being out of time, then my dear, you're in trouble. So being carefully considerate about how you invest your time will help ensure that you don't waste any of it. Next comes talent. Talent is one that we can impact. We can, like we talked about last week, invest in learning how to do something and even become an expert at it. Natural talent is one thing, but expertise is part of this resource too. Your know-how, whether acquired like graphic design or innate like being a contortionist, makes you unique in all the world. I'm even going to add to talent something that has to be learned, but that isn't as easy to recognize as talent like parenting or being in a relationship. These do not come naturally to everyone, me raising my hand, but they represent a significant part of who we are. On the cockpit dashboard, you might have several buttons that represent your many different talents. The mixes you create by pressing on the buttons for your talents and throttling your time are going to show on little gauges on the dashboard. The amount of time you spend using each of your talents will determine the size of the gauge. It would become obvious to anyone who would look at your dashboard what is most important to you. The size of the gauges are hard to miss. Talent times time is an equation that equals what you spend your life doing. I'll be honest, I have a few gauges on my dashboard that I'm embarrassed of. 
The amount of time I spend listening to podcasts about serial killers is one of them. The amount of time I spend seeking out schadenfreude on Twitter is another. But I'm regularly examining this, always keeping an eye on those gauges as ones that I am willing to shut down to benefit other areas of my life. What would those be for you? Lastly, there is the element of treasure. Treasure is our money and our possessions. We've said this before, but I'll say it again. We use up tons of emotional energy keeping track of our money and our stuff. Protecting our money and our stuff, worrying about our money and our stuff. On your dashboard, if you're a normal person, this is one of those loud beeping and flashing indicators. It constantly demands our attention. Making money is part of life, so we have a big gauge called work. That is one that mixes our treasure and our time and our talent. That gauge could be one that is super annoying, depending on how we feel about our work. Or it can be one that brings us lots of joy. For someone whose job brings them a lot of joy, that gauge is one that they probably never even have to look at. For the rest of humanity, who works by the sweat of their brow, it requires constant attention. Incidentally, wouldn't it be cool to sit down one day in your cockpit only to discover that the treasure gauge is one that you barely have to worry about? It just kind of takes care of itself. (sighs) I know I would. Treasure in just the right amount, all the time, without having to do anything to get it there. For most of us, this will never be the case. So really leaning in and figuring out where the sweet spot of your talents and what you love to do meet is worth the work. Because when you love what you do, that gauge becomes one that you don't need to bother with anymore. That is one of the beautiful things about contentment. All right, so those are the three elements of your destiny and an overview of how they show up on your dashboard. Your time, your talent, and your treasure are three elements that are going to get this plane off the ground. But there is another critical element before we can lift off into our destiny. Part two, the wiring. A long time ago, I gave you a homework assignment. You were to think of a good memory for each of the years of your life from age zero to 18. I asked you to pick a few of those memories and go really in depth, writing out the circumstances, the details, who was there, who wasn't there, and the feelings. I asked you to draw some conclusions, make some generalizations about those circumstances. And then I asked you to try to lay those generalizations over your life today. For example, I told you a story about how when I was about seven, I was standing in the wings backstage at a community theater singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas with the rest of the cast. The memory was so much more than just singing a Christmas song. It was about a feeling of belonging, of being received as an equal among people I respected. It was, yes, about music and singing, but it was also about nostalgia and hope. When I say that I want you to overlay those generalizations onto your life as it is today, I mean I want you to think about how those ideas exist in your life today. And if they are entirely absent from your life today, how can you pursue those activities or relationships that can bring them into existence in your life as it is today? Each of those memories contains a jumble of silvery threads, which in our cockpit dashboard example, are the wiring that connects all of the elements together on your dashboard, and they bring them power. They're what motivate you, what energize you, what geek you out. They are what make you who you are. 
when you plug in one of those wires into one of the gauges of time and talent, you will suddenly see that gauge come to life. Again, taking my earlier example from my childhood, one of my talents is music. I enjoy spending time making music. I do it a lot, but not every experience is equally great. But when the wire of being received as an equal among people I respect gets plugged into that socket of the music gauge, suddenly there is so much joy that results that I experience liftoff. These silvery threads are completely unique to you and your life experience. So many of us choose to ignore these parts of us because we deem them foolish or unworthy of our attention. After all, they are attached to our own childhood, which, for some of us, we've tended to give a certain amount of contempt. A willingness to comb through that jumble of memories is going to help us put our energy into the right efforts. Efforts that will bring us joy. And joy is what gets this plane off the ground. Part three, our flight path. So here we go. I'm asking you to imagine something again. You are piloting a plane. You are in this beautiful expanse of sky, humming along, when you see ahead of you something unusual. It's kind of like a cloud. It's too big to go around, and as you watch, you see that it is far more detailed than you originally gave it credit for. It's like a cloud, but each part of the cloud is a single-color spherical bubble, although from where you are, it looks like a circle. As you approach, you see that there's another bubble touching it, sort of mixing with it in kind of an overlapping way, and the colors of the two bubbles mix according to their properties. That second bubble is also a sphere. Much to your surprise, as you get even closer, you see that there are a dozen or more of these spherical, colorful, cloud-like bubbles. Some of them are bigger than others. Some are denser or more opaque than others, but each bubble is its own circle of its own color. There is no way around it. The only way is through. Surely you've guessed it by now, but these cloud-like bubbles are the 19 different ideal life themes that we've been talking about in detail since April. You see, our ideal life isn't a destination. Our ideal life is a flight path through the clouds. Just for fun, I'm going to list off those 19 different spheres of your flight path. Keep in mind, there are places where these clouds are going to overlap, and you will physically be flying your plane through these overlaps, using all your resources and your own special wiring to get you through. You ready? Your body and your health. Work. Scheduling and planning. Parenting. Keeping a clean house. Spiritual life. Sexuality. Personal style. Habits and routines. Relationships. Gravitas decision-making, passions, marriage, commitments, contentment, mental health, environment and ecology, craft and creativity. 
Now, this list of themes evokes certain thoughts for each of us. It might even dislodge a few feelings here and there. Not every one of these themes will be valid for you. It's not the number of themes, or in our example, the number of clouds that we have to go through, that count. What matters is that we know what the contours of those spheres look like for each of us. How do we know what the contours of each sphere look like? On our cockpit dashboard, there's a kind of radar which shoots out a prompt into the clouds that says, in my ideal life, I am a person who, who what? We get to know our flight path by exploring it, seeing where the overlaps are and using the joy in those areas as refueling stations for our plane. Being aware of where certain areas overlap and they sap us dry and planning for those. Sometimes it means seeking out the narrow band of overlap that will help keep us on track because we have found some way to make it meaningful. We've described our ideal life in lots of different ways over these last few months. Once I described it as a stained glass window, an image I still like a lot because the pieces are welded together with this lovely silvery metal stabilizer. But the truth is, the ideal life isn't something we just look at and study. It's in three dimensions. We live it out every single day, navigating from overlap to overlap. Sometimes we face headwinds, and on good days, we've got tailwinds. Knowing who we want to be in our ideal life keeps us from flying blindly, from wasting our precious resources and things that don't matter to us. We only get one life. We should really make an effort to live it with joy. Your homework this week is something I have been encouraging you to do since day one. And if you haven't done it yet, it's time, Cinderella. I want you to answer that prompt. Send out your little radar signal. In my ideal life, I am a person who, who what? I'm not asking you what job you want to do or what kind of house you want to live in or who your perfect spouse would be. I'm not even asking you what you do. I want you to consider the kind of person that you would be in your ideal life. Who you are influences what you do. And that's why examining what is working and what isn't working in your life won't move you forward until you've done the heavy lifting of really thinking about who you want to be in your ideal life. If you get stuck, I want you to consider this question. What do I want the people I love to say about me at my funeral? It's not a dark question. It's a question that gets you thinking about who you want to be remembered for being. Your answers to that question will start getting you thinking about who you would be in your ideal life. I'm putting a link in the show notes to an article with 101 virtues that I dare not speak aloud lest we awaken the philosopher princess. Then all you need to do is just put those 101 virtues into practice and start living a virtuous life. Easy as pie, right? No. (laughs) But next week, we're going to start talking about the questions that you'll need to ask yourself every single day that will help you live according to who you want to be in your ideal life. Don't worry, Cinderella. I will help you survive the fairy dust storm. You exist for a reason. Everything you have, your talents, your ideas, your experiences, your emotions, they all exist to make this world a better place. I do not say this lightly, Cinderella. I believe it with every fiber of my being. I am putting my reputation as a fairy godmother on the line to prove it to you. 
Who you are is unique and amazing. You simply have no idea how special and how worthy you are. The only thing that seems to be missing is you believing in you. Now get to work, Cinderella. You're cleared for takeoff. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcatcher. And please, if you enjoy something you've heard here, share it with somebody you think could use a fairy godmother too. A great big thank you to Seven Productions here in Nudus, France for the use of the song La Joie as the intro and outro to the show. Also, a special thanks to Matt Kugler who sang it and to Claude Equé who wrote it. This is your fairy godmother signing off. Just remember, it's never too late to start singing with your feet.